Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Before my first caller, I'll refresh that my intention with the show is twofold. One is listening in to my conversations with folks to learn the art, if you will, of navigating challenging conversations. And the other is hearing the journeys of my special guests who stand out in how they've learned to lead themselves to their true north and live especially meaningful and impactful lives, which I wish for you. I hope you gain both skill and confidence to be who you are and say what needs to be said. So today I'm excited to be taking callers, and I do want to do a shout out to all those who do, as it takes courage. I know that everyone struggles at times in using your voice. This show is great practice space, and I want to encourage you to call in and know that you'll be serving all listeners around the world when you do so. Okay, to start us off, I warmly welcome Mike from Massachusetts. Mike, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for, thanks for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here and um, hopefully won't get too tongue-tied. <laughs> Mike, we all do get tongue-tied, so it's okay if we do, and the, the opportunity is to untie the tongue. So um, with that, I'm um, keen to hear what tough conversation or a touchy situation is on your mind. Well, as a software manager, um, you always have the opportunity uh, to hire new people, and the idea is when you're looking for the best people for the job. Um, sometimes that works out. Sometimes um, it doesn't quite work out the way that you want it to, and you have to find a way to mentor or coach up or have those difficult conversations with the person that you hired and and try to make it work in some way, shape, or form. Um, I'm a servant leader, so I tend to... Um, make the error on the side of trying to do that kind of coaching and trying to have those tough conversations. So one of the things that, that I generally, you know, that I'm looking for guidance on is what, what kind of conversations do you have with somebody when you think that you're excited about hiring them, you hire them and you get them in a position, but it doesn't quite work the way you thought it should. Or the, the, you know, you're looking for a way to motivate them. You're looking for, some way to coach them up. Mm, awesome one. So first off, the servant leadership notion is great. It may not be as uh, familiar for all callers. I'm, um, I don't know it well, but I've read a little bit about it. Would you share with listeners, at least for you, Mike, when you think of uh, operating in a servant leadership model, what's that mean for you? Normally, for me, it's more about trying to remove the obstacles and provide guidance for people to do the best in that position that you have them in and, and try to mentor. Um, it's, it's, for me, it's not about so much being a manager. It's more about being um, somebody who is going to coach people and help them be the best they can be in that particular position. It's awesome. A quote, one of my um, idols, mentors, the most extraordinary, Francis Hesselbein, who is 105 years old and just leading like there's no tomorrow. Um, and her, her mantra is to serve is to live. Um, and it really, you know, when you when you operate that way, it really does come from love and from a, from the heart and, um, and really great things happen. So I applaud you for having that. And I think, you know, in the spirit of the say it skillfully, we think about all part of the problem, all part of the solution. I think the servant leader also realizes that, hey, I'm playing a role in this. It's not kind of just the person. Um, and for folks who are, um, who have the privilege like you do to lead others, I'll offer this notion of leading people and managing work. Both are absolutely essential. And when you think about, so I think sometimes people are managing people. Like, do you want to be managed? I mean, I don't really want to be managed, right? So I think even the words that we use can really uh, 
change how we come across to people. So I just offer that to start. So your folks are very lucky. And I think this has happened to all of us in, in interviewing. So one thing I think in a, in a proactive stance as we're bringing new people in, and sometimes it's a love fest. I'm pretty op, um, optimistic. So I think everybody can do it and building into your interviewing a real understanding of what's the role, what's the person hearing about the role, um, doing the kinds of background calls. The person may still be a great fit, but you're trying to really set expectations. And so I just encourage just a separate bucket of work, but I think doing that upfront work really well tends to minimize the, what I call the come to Jesus, like, oh, wow, this isn't working the way we thought. Is that yeah, landing for you? I've been lucky enough that, you know, that's great. You know, I, I've been lucky enough that I'm in that position where I get the opportunity to hire people and to, um, to try to help you know, the company do the best they can do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, um, it's a delicate balance when you're hiring, you need somebody for a particular role and you want to make sure that they have all the information that they need to make a good decision. At the same time, you want to make it so that it's a good two way street where if, if um, you know, you're trying to find the rest, best person that is going to be able to help you in, in making your corporate goals as well. Yeah. Yeah, so let's tackle let's this motivation one. And let's just say you've got someone, you're all excited about them. They can do the job, but you're sensing there's a motivation issue. Anything more you want to shed, uh, any light you want to add to that before I go into this? No, I think, that's, I think that's the main thing is that sometimes when you're interviewing, the motivation is kind of a, it's a gray area. It's something that you tend to sense more than you tend to be able to actually understand about somebody and sometimes that's it it doesn't quite match what you thought you were getting when you when you hired them yeah yeah so here's um in the spirit of shared reality it's great so the i think being good relationship with oneself is you're here to serve the person as i can feel that you are and it's not about a wrong or bad situation and i that notion of being really curious rather than solving can help get into something like that without putting someone on their heels. And let's just say it's um, Adam. You know, Adam, really appreciate having you on the team and I see the effort you're putting forth. So something that opens up with something that they're genuinely doing well. You know, one thing I've been observing and I'd love to have a chat with you about it um, is I'm not seeing, you know, you as enthusiastic as I, as I think you have inside you, and I may, it may just be my perception of the situation. Um, thoughts? And so just uh, not kind of making it a right or wrong, but just sharing, here's something you're noticing, and you're not judging it, and then you pause. Yeah, and I the think person, that's a great way to approach it, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the pause part is hard, Um because sometimes, you know, sometimes people don't, they don't, they're literally thinking, they don't know what to say or what have you. And so if there's a long pause, like we just had, so, you know, you need a little time to think what's going on for you. Uh, and then they, you know, they may be like, if they look a little defensive, or uncomfortable, just work with that emotion. Because obviously we don't want to put anyone on their heels. That's not the point. Um, say, oh, I'm noticing, you know, I did not, my apologies. I did not mean to put you on your heels and I'm here to help you, you know, absolutely shine and do your absolute best. So let's just make sure, sorry if I wasn't clear with that. So setting your intention of here I am and you think you're amazing and I just want you to be able to do the most amazing work to your servant leadership. It's easy for you. Like this is where I'm coming from. So I want to make sure, you know, what am I, what can I do? So I would say that that's a spirit of partnering with an employee as opposed to a hierarchical thing to your words of coaching. um, I think that's the feeling that the person could get. So just pause there. How's that landing for you? Yeah, I do like the idea of um, the, the, I guess what it's called a pregnant pause, right? Trying to make it so that you're giving somebody an opportunity to speak up and to kind of give you the, give you the, the their version of their reality and, and uh, you know, what, how they're feeling at that point. I do know that sometimes you get, you get more information about, what else might be going on in their lives? You know, maybe there's something going on that 
prevents them from really committing to the work that they're doing and um, they're distracted. And sometimes you can actually hear that when you, when you pause and let them speak. Yes. I, I'm curious, when you bring new folks on, uh, how, do you, how do you suss out um, a conversation where they're able to share the kind of work environment that brings out the best in them? You know, and I'll just use it. Here's, here's a very basic example. Some people are really great on their toes. Mike, what do you think about this? And, you know, you're like, okay, got it. I can answer. Other people, really, it's not, it's not helpful for them to get a question right out of the blue. They are better off if you say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to talk about the, you know, Q3 numbers. And I just want you to think about that. And we'll have a conversation in the morning. And they, you're going to get way better, way better work from them. Um, so I'm just wondering and share with listeners, how do you do that with folks that uh, that you work with? Um, usually as part of the interviewing process, I really try to make it so that you give somebody the opportunity to talk about something they might be passionate about, whether it's a particular problem that they solved or a particular thing that they're proud of. Usually that's the word that I use is, can you tell me something about something that you're proud of, whether it's work or home or it doesn't really matter and you start to see a passion kind of erupt in them as they talk about and and provide that information and you can if you you know if you're having a good back and forth conversation during that time you're at least getting the feeling that you might feel when they're in the job and doing something that they love to do and and can provide you with that sort of feedback they, the key is sort of the back and forth, and that's even when people are in my teams. It's the same kind of thing. You know, you're trying to make sure that people are feeling great because if they're feeling great, then they're doing. They're, hopefully, they're doing great work. And sometimes there are things that get in the way of that, and you want to try to remove those barriers or try to help them work through those barriers if possible. Yeah. Yep. I know you've got technical folks, you know, having been an engineer and having been a very, very, very inarticulate one. I am wondering um, to what extent you find the technical folks uh, more challenged or not as comfortable expressing themselves. And maybe that's not something you've experienced at all. No, it's definitely something you experience. Um, those of us in the technical field sometimes tend to be more comfortable with computers and and typing their responses as opposed to actually speaking. And I know from my perspective, too, I, I tend to be that way as well. As an, as an introvert, it's, it, you know, a lot of the people who do this kind of work are introverts, and they tend to be in their heads more than they are getting their feelings and thoughts out um, in front of other people. So um, I do find that, that you have to sometimes figure out what their, what their method, method, thinking method might be and cue them, um, you know, whether it's a particular set of things that they have done recently that you can kind of use that as a conversation starter. And some people will get going. Once they are comfortable and feel like their conversation is going, they, they will share more and, and you can try to figure out what their motivations are really like. Yeah, I appreciate your bringing up the introvert. I uh, would define myself as an introvert, and I think of that not as an index of sociability, but where I derive my energy. Um, and I derive my energy very squarely from within. I can absolutely, you know, I like people and I can be out and about with people. It's not generally the most additive to my own energy, so I need a lot of refueling. So I'm kind of curious as a fellow introvert, Mike, what are some things that you've done as a leader to, to, to kind of share more of yourself, to be more um, out and about? That's a tough one. That, that, that I find very difficult. Um, if you decide that that's kind of the role that you want to play as a leader, you have to be more comfortable about sharing some of the things that are important to you and to try to um, provide that sort of feedback to the people that you're working with. Um, I do tend to, you do tend to get in your own head quite a bit because a lot of the work that we do, uh, you know, as technologists are, that, that work is, is solitary, um, but there are lots of communication opportunities. So the idea is how do you share certain things about yourself? How do you uh, get people to see that 
you're sort of in the same boat as they are, and um, you're trying to make them feel comfortable because that's, you know, that's something that you've experienced as well, um, you know, especially as an introvert, trying to share those kinds of feelings are not the easiest thing in the world. And if you do, I'm sure that you find the same thing, is that after, after talking for a while, you have to go and you have to try to recharge in some way, shape, or form. So um, having your people understand that that's going to be the case um, makes them feel like you're, you know, that you're, you're able to communicate well with them on their level. Yeah. If you are to be honest about assessing yourself, and I'm, just, I'm saying this for all listeners, so how, how comfortable are you in the here's who I am, here's what I'm struggling with, I need your help with your team? And if you're 10, that's great. If you're you know, 80%, that's great. I'm just curious how, do you, how you self-assess. Yeah, I think I probably started off as an engineer. I was probably somewhere in the range of about like a four you know, it's, just leave me alone. I want to go do my thing, right? <laughs> um, as as you progress and if you decide that you want to work with people and be a manager and especially being somebody who prides themselves on being a servant leader as opposed to being a person who manages people, um, you, you know, I think I'm probably in the range of a seven, maybe eight now, but there's always work to do, Um you know, I, I I read a lot of books. I talk to a lot of people like yourself as, who are in the field and, and uh, try to figure out how best to improve that portion of my my communication and, and my leadership skills. Nice. You know, something's just coming to me. I have an idea. Can I share it with you? Sure thing. I, I noticed this, and it's, it's um, common in a lot of folks I, I talk with. It gets into the you, like they talk about it like it's not me, it's like I'm talking about another person. So the practice of the role play and being in first person, when I do this, when I'm talking to my people, when I need to kind of show them that I'm a bit more introverted, there's this distinct personalization that happens. It's really fascinating to me just because I have so many people, you know, who I talk to as callers and it gets into this third person, like they're talking about themselves in this other situation. (laughs) So I just offer one awareness and and not to make it bad or wrong, but just to be aware of it. And I think the, the role playing part of it, especially if you have a team and I think, you know, for the leading people, when when people feel like, gosh, my, my leader is really trying to help me be my best, you know, there's just something about that we're more in it together that isn't necessarily everyone's experience. And I know that ideally we would have, but I don't know that, that everyone has that sense that their, their boss, their leader is like their coach and really in their corner. And so I think if folks are the kind of leader uh, where people sense that in you, you know, you get this you get, you get the best out of them and they want you to be successful. They want to be successful. They want the whole team to be successful. And that's a spiraling up kind of energy. Yeah, that's the exciting part of the, the kind of jobs that are, are leadership positions. I mean, I'm also a sports guy too. So I tend to, you know, I want to coach the teams. I want to, you know, I always coach the teams when I was a kid, um, when, my kid when my kids were young. Um, and that was, you know, that's how I figured out that I really like the idea of being a leader and um, coaching teams. And, and I also like building things. So that's part of, you know, part of the whole software leadership aspect of things. You are bringing a team together and hopefully you build things that people love to use. Um, you know, and everybody is doing the things that are important, but they're also doing things that they feel like they're good at and uh, removing the barriers to make them feel good about the work they're doing and that they're, they're doing good work is, is part of that role. That's awesome. I want to just encourage you to amp up that internal glow, that internal want for people to be free and to do great work. It's in there, and I just encourage you to be even more explicit with it, Mike, because I think it's would be great, greatly motivating for your folks. Um, I appreciate your joining the show. Do you have a top takeaway from our little chat? I, I think it's basically what you just got across is that sometimes it's uh, when you're having those kinds of difficult conversations, the idea is you, you want to get across um, your feelings and trying to make sure that 
you're not putting people on the defensive. You, you want to try to help them out. And um, that's probably what I probably should do better is to make sure that they understand that and try to create those kind of conversations in that way. That's awesome. I, uh, you know how to reach me. I am cheering for you. I really appreciate your calling in and being courageous yourself, Mike. Uh, so thank you for being part of the solution and you take good care. Okay, I invite folks to call in. If there's a question on your mind, 866-472-5790 or internationally, you can call collect country code 1-480-398-3352. And we are heading excitedly to the Midwest. And we have Denise from Wisconsin. Hi, Denise. Hi, Molly. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to be chatting with you today. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank yeah, you for I, having me I, on. I, it's spectacular. I am grateful for your calling in, Denise. And what challenging conversation is on your mind? Well, I'd like to talk about a scenario uh, that has happened throughout my career. And I want to do a little bit of a switch from your previous caller this really involves uh, situations when I'm in a meeting with a senior executive or a member of the C-suite, and I've seen it happen to other folks, too, and I know that this is a very important scenario because if it's handled poorly upon <laughs> myself or others, it can result in frustration, poor quality of work, or even have career-limiting results. So if you're ready, I'd like to lay out the scenario. Yes, high stakes. Go for it. All right. So I found myself in a meeting with my team or a group of my colleagues, and a C-level executive gives me a directive that, to me, doesn't make sense. So I'm feeling a little anxious about this. I feel like I need more information. I need clarification and to understand the why or at least what the executive's goal is with this directive and what will be gained. What do you really need? After the meeting, I've, I've now mature enough in my in my career development that I know enough not to ask a million questions during the meeting. So I often wait till after the meeting and I approach the executive and ask for a chance to meet so I can have a better understanding of their objectives. Now we're one-on-one and we're in that meeting, be it after the group meeting or we schedule another time. And I can tell very frequent that the executive is under a lot of stress. They want to move through this quickly. So they blurt out the directive again, and uh, it's clear through their body language that they feel that should be enough, and I should take my marching orders and go and just do what I do and kind of magically meet their request. So now I'm getting um, anxious and my anxiety is building because my big fear is I'll fail in this task if I don't understand the objective. At the same time, I have a great fear that if I ask too many questions, the meeting will go badly and the executive also will just be frustrated and angry. So ultimately, uh, the discussion is short. Fear takes over my behavior, and I end up stop asking questions. I know I leave the meeting no closer to understanding what I'm supposed to do or how to meet this executive's objectives. And then the long-term uh, effect to this type of pattern for myself and others can be, you know, I just become afraid to ask for clarification from this executive in the future. So what I'm seeking is, 
you know, how how can I avoid those types of uh, situations? What can I do to navigate it more successfully? Uh, I just want to hug you because this is this goes on night and day every hour. It's just really. Great. So thank you for having the courage to bring it up and articulate it so clearly because I think I know I can. And I'm, I think listeners can feel they're like, oh, my God, I've been in that meeting. So uh, first off, yay. Thank you for putting it out there so that we can work with it. Number one, um, let me ask you, Denise, uh, have you seen people who have spoken up, you know, been fired on the spot? Just help me with a little you know, reality check. Have people lost their job by asking one too many questions? I mean, what's the real, what's the reality? That's a really good question. So I have not seen people or I don't know of people who have been fired for asking too many questions but I have observed people who have been shut out. Um, so what I mean by that is either they're shut out of the activities uh, and then it's career limiting for them or they are going to always be like a thorn in that executive side. So it's clear that when they're in the room and that executive is there, it's just an irritant, <laughs> you know, their mere presence becomes just irritating. Um, so that fear just continues to disrupt uh, that employee's behavior. And, and, of course, I believe it, it ultimately affects the quality of, of work. Great. So now I'm going to shift it back to you. If you think about the extent to which you feel like you can be your full self at work, 10 would be, I feel like I can be my full self and say what needs to be said. Um, five would be 50%. Where, do you, where would you honestly say you are right now? Oh, probably a six or a seven. Um, and I currently don't work with an executive that I have this challenge with, but I think this type of challenge can extend to people, right, in all levels of the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're six or seven. Thank you for that. Where would you like to be? Oh, of course. I'd like to be a 10, right? (laughs) I'd like to um, approach these situations knowing that I'm, I'm going to be able to guide a successful outcome when I leave. I understand the objective, and I'm able to deliver a quality result. And therefore, you know, meeting the executives or the individual's needs. Perfect. Okay. You ready to go? Yeah. Okay. So number one, two, and three is the energy that you exude because you're very clear in your tension. You know what you want to have happen, the good sense of where you are. So I applaud that. And that's not easy because lots of folks wouldn't actually be able to answer that so quickly. So it's great that you have a sense of where you are, Denise. That's number one. And, you know, I get, I, I can feel it. You want to do great work, okay? Like you're not trying to, it's not like a, a personal thing. You're trying to win a contest. You want to do great work. You want to therefore help the company succeed. And, and that, every executive, that's what every executive wants. So that we want our people to really be supporting the whole. So just know that you're aligned completely on your intention, okay? So with that, I would really encourage that energy of, of confidence because you know that what you're trying to do is really a good thing and a right thing, right? Um, and I loved what you said earlier about the compassion. You know that they have stress. You, you can see, you know, that they're under pressure. You may not know why, but you can, you're, you're intuitive and you feel that. So the combination of confidence and compassion is you being your full self, but also appreciating that others might be in a tough situation. So important to own the energy because that's what people will really feel. Okay, and I hope that what having your own confidence when you go in also means you're you're physically right. You're you're alive. Your eye your eye contact is really square. So you're not you know you know kind of holding back or looking down. You're feeling like you're very um, very present in trying to do the right thing. I'm just going to pause right there. Is that something that's 
relatively easy for you to do? Or does that feel like, oh, my God, that would be really hard to do? Well, I am a, more of an extrovert, as you know, Molly, than an introvert. So th- that helps me um, with my level of confidence. So I do feel my ability to be present in the conversation uh, is fairly easy. Awesome, because that is the lion's share of it. Okay. So I appreciate, so I'm going to give you two scenarios. One is that after behind the scenes, but then I will also talk it through if you were to, in a, in a group setting, how you might raise this. And, okay. um, you know, let's just say it's Frank, Frank, you know, you chase him down. How's it going? You know, I'm, I'm, oh, Frank, I can see you're very busy. Say, Frank, could I have five minutes, please? I'm not trying to be a thorn in anyone's side. I appreciate that, you know, there's a lot of balls that you're juggling that I'm not aware of. I know you want the team and you want me to do great work. So I hope you appreciate that. I just need to make sure that it's it's crystal clear for me because if it's crystal clear for me, Frank, I'm going to be able to crush it. So we're laying out, you know, kind of the intention and what great could look like. Um, and he may say, well, you know, I told you that. I appreciate you told me that. Bear with me. It wasn't landing for me, Frank. I didn't quite understand it. Could you say it in a different way? Would that be okay, please? Confident, right? Frank, I want to make you look like a superstar in order for me to make you look like a superstar. I have got to understand this. So let me just pause. Those aren't exact words, but it gives you a flavor of how you might frame it. Sure. Yeah. And so the thing is, when he comes back or he looks upset, that's when you can't shirk back. Oh, Frank, I'm not trying to make, you know, really be a pain for you. Please, no. Please, 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 no. I, you know, have a track record of executing. I know what I need to know to be able to do great work. I think sometimes leaders like yourself, so you don't have to say you, leaders like yourself, you get the bigger picture. It's very obvious to you why this, why a project might be very important. Bear with me. Oftentimes where I'm at, I just don't have that view. And you know what? It would really help me if I understood the why for the project because then I could be more emotionally bought into it. Right. So I'll pause there. How's that landing? Is that kind of a kind kind of language and approach that could work with our Frank? Um, right with our scenario here, um, the word, Molly, that I'm kind of getting hung up on in your example of a response is so I can buy into it. Um, And I love that in an ideal world, I think in the world of project management, (laughs) the expectation is uh, it doesn't matter. Right? Doesn't matter yes. if you buy into it. It doesn't. Maybe I'm taking the words too literally, but I want to thank you for calling that out I because I did not realize that I said buy into it. So I might say that it helps me to understand the why, so that I'm more motivated. Right. Something that talks about what's authentic for you. I agree with you. Buy in isn't like it's not really a choice, Denise. I'm not asking you to buy in. This right. is the project. <laughs> so I agree with you. So I'm full, full transparency. I agree with you on that. And I apologize for using that kind no, of language. So, so right. something that helps you say, you know, for me, you know, seeing the big picture, for me, understanding the impact on our end client is very motivating and helps me, you know, increase my commitment as I want to be. And, you know, I, I think that you can also say, you know, I, you know, it may, it may be tough for you sometimes to appreciate, you know, because you are in a, in a situation where you see a much bigger picture. And I think that, you know, when a leader hears that, they're going to be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm running around and I have this view and I just want to thank you for pointing it out to me that I don't necessarily appreciate that folks are seeing a much more narrow slice and and a few minutes of extra context you can just say a few minutes of extra context frank god it makes such a great difference and we really feel you know more cohesive we feel more connected to the cause right now let me just segue to the group situation and i think again just creating transparency showing 
gratitude. Wow, Frank, this project is, sounds very impactful, and it seems like, you know, obviously we can tell from the energy that you're showing that it's very important. I um, have to admit, I'm, I'm not connecting some of the dots. In the spirit of making sure that, you know, that I have full clarity because I want to do an excellent job, would you please restate X, unpack Y, deconstruct Z, just to make sure that we're on page. And, I, and I, I know that we're tight on time, but I know that you also want us to do this right the first time. And if um, folks like me and the team have clarity, we're going to be able to move with much greater speed. Right. I love that. And what I hear you saying is, in the conversation, acknowledge your understanding of where the other person may be at, the pressures they're feeling, the view they may have, and how that uh, may or may not align with where you're at to give them a chance to kind of close the gap on that. Is that right? Absolutely. So you're showing empathy for the leader the way you want the leader to show empathy for you. So you're leading with that. You're showing what great looks like. And so I want to shout out, you know, the skillfulness thing. Oftentimes, leaders aren't as skillful as their people. It doesn't make them bad. It's just sometimes that is the reality. Okay. So, so that is just, you know, we can't fight it. If it is what it is, then you are coaching up. Got it? And everyone listening, nodding your head. Yes, we do that all the time. You know, when I was a leader, people were coaching me up. It just, it's a natural thing. So, you know, don't, don't be upset about it. It's just like, that's the reality. Then, you know, you've got to put it out there. And, you know, from a satisfaction standpoint, knowing that you're doing what you can do, is all you can do. We can't control how Frank responds, right? But if you do do your best to tee it up, feel great about that, right? Because that's that's what Denise can control. Mm-hmm. Any follow-on? Yeah, right on. I can see how this is a, a really successful model using... Uh, language that talks about how the other pe- person is feeling, basically where they're at. Uh, and I typically myself, I don't do that. I don't acknowledge my own feelings in the moment. Uh, and I don't think I reflect well on what the other person may be feeling either. I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, quickly adapt and get to brass tags and, you know, stick all business. So uh, this is really good feedback. Denise, that is the, uh, you and like lots, millions of other people. And it's, it is a habit of just, just jump to the task. Not really, don't really care about anything else. Just let's get it done. And sometimes you need to do that for sure. Lots of times, mm-hmm. you know, the hangups are in the people connections. It's how we feel about ourselves how other people feel about themselves and if we can bridge that you're like a rock star so um, you know by having this conversation I'm I'm hearing that you're having some insights Uh, maybe you could share for listeners your top takeaway from our chat for sure thanks Molly yeah from our my takeaway from our chat is really in these moments where typically it is high stress and um, at least you may feel anxiety and others in the room may feel anxiety and we can easily get wrapped up in the expectation, whether perceived or real, that we take these marching orders, however unclear, and just go do something, right? That's constantly the pressure go do something so take the opportunity in these moments to take a step back either in the group situation or after the group meeting in a one-on-one and acknowledge where you see the other persons at with empathy and feeling and then uh, ask for permission to just take a step back with them so you can really get more clarity on what they need or what they're looking for so you can rise up to meet that and express your intention on that really is your goal is to 
provide a quality result that matters to them, that meets their need. Nice. Um, Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. I am cheering for you, my friend, and you know how to reach me. So please loop back, and if I can be helpful in any way, don't hesitate. I, uh, I appreciate your joining me, Denise, and I thank you for being part of the solution. You take good care. Okay, we're going to head to the southeast to sunny and I would think warm Florida and welcome Yuri. Yuri, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Molly. Um, it is really sunny here, but it is not warm at all, relatively speaking. Um, it is in the 40s, and um, so, yeah. Wow, okay, well, so... But we feel blessed to be here um, in, uh, in, winter, in winter time, so... Awesome. Yuri, what... Uh, Tough conversation might I help you with today? So, um, first, I really wanted to thank you, Molly, on behalf of everyone for, for doing these. I've listened to a few of these um, that you've done, and they are absolutely um, wonderful. Um, so many insights um, to be gained. Um, for, for my challenge, um, as you know, Molly, I'm a coach, so I wondered if I can bring forth a challenge that is facing uh, one of my clients and by implication also me because I'm not quite sure how to help him. Absolutely. I welcome that. Thank you. Um, so I'll be as brief as I can with the actual um, situation. Um, the client, I'll call him John, but it's not his real name, is in his mid-30s, um, two very young kids, um, and um, joined um, some time ago, maybe a year or so, um, a startup company in the technology financial area. The company was projecting before COVID to be a lot more successful than it ended up being. Um, and so currently they only have one client um, and the whole company is resting on this one client. And um, they are asking my, um, they are asking John to put in um, 80 hour weeks um, with absolutely no time to help his wife with the two young kids in the morning and in the evening again. And even during the day, he's telling me he wakes up at um, 5.30 every morning uh, and then works till 7.30 or something and then helps at home and then again the same well into the night. Um, and he's exhausted and desperate. Um, he cannot leave the company because he needs the money. Um, and, and he's been kind of hinted at that if he is not able to put in those 80-hour weeks, uh, week after week after week, then he will lose his job and um, they've already cut the company down from 20 people to 12 people or 11 people or something. So the challenge that he posed to me is how do I navigate the situation? What do I tell the owner of the startup um, that will help me get some room to breathe and, and to be able to help at home with COVID and still not lose my job. Wow, that's heavy. Thank you for sharing that, Yuri. That's mm. a heavy one. And uh, my heart is very heavy for John because that is a very, very, very tough situation to be in. I, um, mm. you know, for you as a coach, I mean, obviously just oozing in compassion. Um, and... This, um, it, it doesn't help because we don't wish struggles on people, 
but the struggles and how we emerge from them are what make us stronger and, and help us be who we are. So to some extent, being able to normalize for John, you know, there's something, there is something good coming out of this. We may not know that yet, but just know that keep the faith that something positive will result from, from going through a very tough time. And it doesn't make the time easier, but hopefully that puts a little perspective on it. Um, I have, um, you know, very strong bias towards our own personal health um, and have seen, have had people come to me having done something like worked crazy for a year and got cancer and really do believe that because, you know, they weren't taking care of their um, mind and body and soul that bad things happened health-wise. Um, so I, my inclination is, you know, it's not a unicorns and rainbows perfection thing, but just saying John has to be clear on what he really does need physically to be able to stay healthy. And he's not going to be, you know, of any support to his wife and kids if he's not healthy. And giving someone permission to, you know, take the oxygen mask down before helping others, I think might be something that could help shed some perspective on it. So, you know, I think giving him self permission to focus on him is, is something that perhaps he might need a little nudge on. All right. Okay. So I, I did ask him about um, meditation, Molly, and, and he said he tries to grab 10, 15 minutes here and there and do some mindfulness meditation, which will definitely help reduce his stress. Um, That's great. I, I don't remember if I asked him about exercise and and what he does about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember about that. Yeah, I, I just think he's got to know what he wants to have happen. And I, you know, I'm not here to judge 80, 70, 90, 40 hours. So I just think, you know, for him to be able to get a little unemotional, because I think it's very overwhelming when you're exhausted and you're desperate. Those are tough words. So to be able to exhale a bit and say, okay, what, what, what could I make work? And just to know what his, you know, his kind of floor is on that, that's the job that he has to do. Okay. So I think that's, there's internal work. Um, I think same thing in partnership with his wife, you know, what can we handle? Cause we're a team and just being clear on that. And then I think, you know, working with an owner, I, I, you know, again, I don't know where the owner is, but I wouldn't assume that the owner has the same sense of reality that John has. And, and being, um, I think this is not a case of like optimism to saying, hey, you know, I know this COVID is a difficult situation. I appreciate that you've got a company to run and we're, you know, we're all, you know, on pins and needles because we have one client left. I get that, right? So John showing some empathy for the owner and saying, I would be doing a disservice to you and the company if I didn't sit down. Um, and have a heartful chat with you because I, I would want to, you know, work with you to create a situation where, you know, I can support the company the way you need and I, um, you know, can, can live a life that that's going to be the right thing for my family and me. Not optimal, but at least something that's more manageable. Um, and. You know, I think that at least starting that is, is can we talk about that and to then be prepared to go back and forth and share the experience um, and share what, what changes, you know, John perhaps may have some ideas of what he does or doesn't do, but to just work it through um, and potentially to be prepared. If it, if it isn't something that the owner is willing to do, Yuri, then John has to make a call, but you know, at least he's, he's, um, put it out in a way that is trying to honor the owner and the company, but right. also all himself. Right. He, he did share with me um, that he tried to have conversations with the owner. Um, and she said, if you're not able or willing to give us 100% of yourself, which means those 80-hour weeks, um, then you're not the right person um, for us. In addition, what makes it even worse is that because the owner is so nervous about the single client that they have, she has started to micromanage John and his work, and she wants mm -hmm. to review everything, and they have daily deliverables 
um, and he's a fairly senior guy at the director level, uh, but um, but she started to review his work on a daily basis and micromanage him, as I said, and this is making him so frustrated and the relationship between the two of them is yeah. is sour. Yes, this is brutal. Um, I am realizing that we are up for time, so what I'd love to do, Yuri, is suggest that you and I connect after on this. And, you know, I... I I can't make a judgment call for John. I know what I would do. So I think that, that he's got to look at those facts and, and prioritize what he values the most. Um, so let's uh, leave it at that, my friend, uh, and we'll pick that back up. And yeah. I appreciate your calling in and my heart's out to John and his family. Thanks so much, Yuri. Take good care. So, um, wow, powerful stuff. Um, as we close, um, I believe that people deserve to be led and led well. My thought for the week is in honor of one of my heroes, one of the most extraordinary human beings I know who has and continues to make a difference for human beings around the world. A leader of leaders, Dr. Jim Yong Kim, relentlessly with grace, pursues what's right. And I'll share how he recently described leadership. How much do you care to humble yourself, listen to others, and change your behavior? so that a group of people does something that they wouldn't otherwise do. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 